right? Like, can we get can we get to the point in our lives where we actually just love people that ridiculous? These people beat him, and he said, "Forgive them, Father." They beat him, and he's bleeding out and hanging on a cross. And he said, forgive them. And most of us would want the SOBs to burn in a fire and rot in hell. But he taught us something different. He taught us something different. And do we have the courage to look foolish for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it more important for us to, I don't know, to look like everybody else. Jesus didn't look like anybody else. I love that. I love that stained glass of Jesus. But I would bet that he was a little bit more olive than, than the uh, white guy up there. Uh, he probably didn't have that uh, dishwater blonde hair. Uh, maybe it was sun faded. And I guess, regardless of what depiction they have on stained glass or you see in art forms throughout the world, the matter is not that. Because if we look at one another and we see all the differences and we read in the Word that it says that God created us fearfully and wonderfully in His image. And we look around and we see all the differences. So... Maybe that's not what Jesus looked like on the earth, but he certainly did look like that in spirit. Right? And he looked like that, 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 and that, and that, and that, so on and so on and so on. But what's what's fear telling you? What's what's the liar telling you? What's the liar telling you? The liar's telling you that you're not good enough. That you'll never be enough. It's like, just stop trying. You're an idiot. You're a loser. You suck. You're fat. You're tall. You're short. You're skinny. You're pretty. You're ugly. Those are qualifiers not from God. Because in God's eyes, we're beautiful. In the spirit, we are beautiful. And yet we live life by the flesh when we're spiritual beings. And we have to get to the point where, where it's like, I don't care. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love who I love because God has led me to love the person. I'm going to love who I want to because God told me who to love. Right? I think we have so many things backwards in the world today. And I don't believe that we actually operate from a spiritual point. I think that we operate more from the flesh. Because some of us might be afraid that we'd look foolish. We might look, we might look silly. We might look stupid. We might look whatever. If we actually walked it out the way that Christ calls us to walk it out. Yeah? Because now I have to love the unpopular kid at school. I have to love the unpopular person at work. I have to love the person who's a jerk at work. I have to take time to pour into these people and to just love them. And I don't get to go off of how I feel. 
in my emotional tank. And it looks different. I'm not saying you got to love every person you see. I'm saying you got to love everybody you see. Because Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, and he gave thanks. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken and given for you. And while they're at the table, he took the cup. He blessed it and gave thanks and said, take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So now through your confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the blood and the body of Christ, you are transformed and renewed in the image of Christ. Something different is in you. And it's time that we actually have the audacity to walk it out. Right? How do we walk with our middle schoolers and teach them what true beauty is? so that they know and they don't have to follow along with the rest of the school, but they can set a trend, yeah? From the first time I was a youth leader, I always said, well, what if the Christian kids were the trendsetters and not the ones that are so abusive and so negative? So we give thanks to God, and we do it through the doxology. So if you will, sing with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I hope you guys hear how beautiful you sound. Like I said, I hope you all hear how beautiful you sound. And let that sound, let that beauty, let that rejoicing ring in your hearts, through your body for the week. Yeah? So um, we've been kind of talking about adventure. Adventure and discovery. It kind of seems to be a neat little theme, if you will. Not quite the adventure of plugging that thing in. Um, I feel like Christianity has this stigmatism that we're boring. Like if I give my life to Christ, then I got to do everything right. You know, and if I don't do everything right, then I don't fit in church. And if I do everything right, then I don't fit in the world because I'm just no fun. And I guess, I guess my response to that would be yes. Well, what do you mean yes? Christianity, the way most Christians live, it is pretty boring. And we act outside of our faith most of the times of our life. 
Yeah, who would, who would confess to that? I think, it's, I think it's really important. You know what I mean? It's like, I just really feel like there's something important to confessing our sins one to another, admitting when and where we fall short of the glory of God, so that we can actually take from that point and move forward. Yeah? So it's like, God, I really want you in my life, but I'm afraid of what I'll look like on both sides of the world. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be thought of as less than. Because life is about, it's a great big popularity contest. For some of us, we got to be cool at our jobs. we got to be well-liked. But why are you liked or why are you considered cool? Why, why, is, why are the things that are important to us important to us? Do you think it's fair to yourself? Do you think it's fair to yourself to try and live two lives that only cross on Sundays or Saturday nights or whenever you do your church or whatever? Does that seem, does that seem right? What happens, what happens when we take this to heart? The life he has given us was not meant to be ordinary. Do you believe that? Okay, if we believe it, then why don't we live it? Is there, so that's a great question, is belief different than actions? Why? Would that, would that or would that not be double-minded? Right, so it's double-minded. We have a mind in both camps, right? And God is calling us to be single-minded and singly focused on him, yeah? And so if we can see it, if we can recognize it, now we can begin to change it. And the life that we're to live is not meant to be ordinary, but extraordinary. Right? And so we're doing this series, kind of a series, kind of a whatever, on adventure and discover. And how absolutely cool it is. And how life in Christ actually pertains to us today. So we've been, we talked about Paul. And today we're going to talk about Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas primarily, we've talked about Paul, and a lot of people know who Paul was, but Barnabas might maybe not so much. So Barnabas, an apostle and associate of Paul, prominent in the church of Antioch on the Orontes in Syria, and an early leader in the mission to Gentiles, according to Acts. His name was Joseph, but he was called Barnabas by the apostles. Luke, the author of Acts, translate Barnabas to mean son of encouragement. How many of you guys know that encourager is a spiritual gift from God? How many of you have a natural propensity to see and speak life into people? Right? When we're in our right mind. Right? Anybody like that? Anybody, anybody like to encourage people and point out the good stuff in people instead of all the negative? And it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, we all get in our moods, right? Where we just don't, it's like, don't even talk to me. I don't want to hear it. 
But Paul and Barnabas, brothers of the, brothers of the gospel and adventurers for Jesus. How awesome is that? To think about being an adventurer for something. How many of you guys would actually like a life filled with adventure and discovery? Right? Or do you prefer to just sit on the couch and watch television? If you had the ability to live an adventurous and amazing life, would you do it? Where do you have to go to get to live a life of adventure? How far away from home do you have to go? I've been to Africa three times for like a two and a half months total time. That was a pretty cool adventure. Do you have to go to Africa? Where's, where's adventure? It's all us. Well, if it's all around us, if it's all around us, then why don't we do it? Lazy. Okay, that's fair. That's really fair. And what's the other word that we were talking about earlier as well? Fear. fear. Absolutely. Because it's fearful to do something different, to live an extraordinary life in the midst of everybody just trying to be ordinary. Yeah, like everybody, it seems like every generation has had those kids, right? Remember when you were in school and, you know, Terry and Steve and, and Henry and Susan, uh, maybe you guys remember the greasers, right? The hot rod boys, they had the hot rods. I'm and... glad they picked you guys out. <laughs> oh, I know, well, yeah, I guess you're right there, aren't you, Deb? <laughs> and then, and then so... Moving on, then you had the punk rockers, like the rock and roll age came out, and the punk rockers, and these were the, all these groups. And then there came emo, right? Emo. Emo was a thing. Is emo still a thing? Yeah. It is? Very much so. Yeah. And, it, and it's so incredibly, like, it just bugs my brain something fierce. It makes my head itch. The greasers want to know. What's that? The greasers want to know what emo is. Emotional. Oh. So, and then. <laughs> right, they're the ones that dress in the black and have the, you know, the dark. But the next, but the next generation, the next generation. Yeah, so like goth was a thing of darkness and whatever, and now these kids evolved out of that, and now we're getting into furries and, and all kinds of weird things, and, and people so desperately want to be different, but yet you just like somebody else. How different is your behavior? How different is your dress when you look just like all the others? Right? All you're doing is picking a group to emulate you're picking a group that you feel maybe most accepted in, right? And we all did it. When I was in school, you had the rednecks, the jocks, you had, you know, the stoners. The stoners. Yes, exactly. But what, one thing we did have, and I'm not making this up, it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to share it anyways. We had a thing called the Frednecks. Frednecks, because I'd put a big fat dip of Copenhagen in, I'd play on sports, I'd smoke weed and drink. 
Right? Like, I did it all. I was, yeah, that idiot. And I thought I had it going on. I had a tattoo underneath this tattoo that was just stupid. But I found my niche and I found my click and I did my thing just like we all do. I stopped being who I wanted to be in order to fit with a certain group of people. So I took my extraordinary call on my life to be different and to be a leader and traded it in to be ordinary so that I would fit because I was afraid. I never felt like I was good enough to do anything. Yeah? Sound familiar, anybody? Like you're just fitting to fit. But God has something more for you. And Paul and Barnabas are kind of talking about this a little bit. If you remember Paul, Paul was, Paul was the guy that actually killed Christians. Right? Like he took his thing that was ordinary and he, he took it to the nth degree and was, was killing people. And then he got slain in the spirit. He got knocked off his horse onto his tuchus. He was blinded. And now he became part of the way. It's my hope and my prayer that we can all get knocked onto our butts and be blinded from the things of this world for as long as it takes so that we can see the extraordinary, the supernatural things that God wants to do in us and through us. That we become extraordinary, extraordinary that we take from the natural and we become supernatural, right? There's something that Jesus did, something that Jesus has given us so that we are no longer like everyone else, but rather work diligently to call the rest of the world up to where Jesus Christ is. Does this make sense at all or am I losing you? And it's important, so let me pray and we'll get started. So Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. And uh, as we tear into your word and tear into these characters, Lord God, I pray for your supernatural, uh, um, just your supernatural revelation, that we would be able to see and understand what it is you're talking about, that we'd be able to do what you're calling us to do, Lord God, that you would help each and every one of us to put the blocks and the fears away so that we would know how incredible we actually are, each and every one of us. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So Barnabas was a man who, who actually had the audacity to listen enough and to believe and have faith enough to do what God was calling him to do. How are you doing there? Do you feel that your only call is to come to church on Sunday or Saturday or maybe Saturday and Sunday? Or do you feel that there's something burning inside of you and maybe you've allowed fear to stop you from doing it? right? Sometimes things just don't look the way that they, they should or the way that they are. And we'll, we'll kind of work on that a little bit today as well. So Acts reports that Barnabas was a Levite whose family came from Cyprus. Hence, he was a diaspora Jew. Who knows what that means? The tribe of Levi, right? Weren't they the ones that prayed a lot? They were like the, the, uh, the tribal prayers over the nation of Israel. So Barnabas would have come from that. That's pretty good lineage to come from, yeah? yeah. But diaspora, so he was, they were the Jews that were scattered, right? When, the, when, 
when the rulers came in and they tried to break up Israel, boom, and they scattered. So he is first mentioned as a man who sold some land and donated the proceeds to the apostles in Jerusalem in Acts 4, 36 and 37. So here he is, he takes this call and he sells his land to pay for the church, to do his part to pay for the gathering. How many of you got land? Ready to sell it? Ready to sell it if God told you to sell it and give it to, give it to the church, would you? I'm not saying sell it. Don't hear me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what would you think about doing that? If God told you, would you have the audacity to do it? Or would you say, but then what, God? What am I going to do? Right? Great Sunday school answer. I love it. And I would have said the same thing. Because we all know the right answer. Right? But this is that double-minded thing where we know the answer, but our feet walk it out a different way. You know what I'm saying? So you're right on the mark. Absolutely perfect. 100%. Right? Like, that's exactly it. We would, we would know in our heads that God is going to cover us. That he's going to, just because he calls us to do that, that we're not going to be without, right? But then to actually do it, it's like, oh, no, I'm not doing it, right? And that's just a true thing. And it's important for us to recognize that this stuff happens. So in Acts 4, 36 and 37, thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's your scriptural backing to that. Acts 13, 1 to 2a. If I say 2a, what does that mean? Okay, the first half of the verse. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Can you imagine? So Wednesday night, you're here at prayer. We're here at prayer, and God says, Robert, Ethan, you guys are to go to Indiana and you guys are going to preach the gospel and this is where I want you to go, this is who I want you to meet and you need to leave Wednesday. What? But I just started a new job. I'm not leaving the jail. But I have something for you. Do you go? Holy Spirit fills you. You hear it. Everybody in the room hears it. Everybody hears it. You two are called to go. You're going to meet Leah and Elise down there because they're sent on Tuesday. And Elise is like, yo, bro, I got all these kids. I, I can't like that. Just don't even work. Cute idea. Love it. I'd go. You know, Talk to me in 13 years when they're all gone. I guess 17 years almost, 16, a while. Going to take, going to take a minute, right? 
But God says that everybody hears it. What do you do then? Oh, yeah? You can say that, and I'm going to call you out just because you answered, right? And I would call anybody out so don't feel picked on. You, you, you brought this on yourself. Right? And, and everybody, la-di-da-di, everybody can put themselves in your shoes. You're just, you're just set yourself up to be the target. I didn't do this. All right? On camera, in front of God and all creation, I didn't do this. I'm, I'm in wasn't me. So God calls us to go forth to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is a call to everybody who believes. Who'd you lead to the Lord yesterday? When's the last time you led anybody to the Lord? When is the last time that you took time out of your life to disciple somebody? See, but Terry, this is the deal. Like, this could be any one of us. Don't feel bad. Like, we have to recognize where we're actually at because we know the answers, but our feet don't walk it out. We settle for ordinary because of fear, because of busy, because of whatever. But what we're doing is we're putting everything in front of God instead of God in front of everything. And so we get a complacent church that doesn't do what it's called to do, right? And so... Our kids in school have a greater influence by what the school is teaching them instead of what God is wanting them to know, right? And I'm not saying that everything that the school teaches is bad. I'm saying some of it's horrendous. But if all they know is to try and fit so that they're liked, then what are they going to do? What is going to make the difference in us? But let me ask you, have you gotten their numbers? Right? None of us have. Is it really important for us to go forth to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or is that just our best Sunday school answer? Right? If if I ask you a question 90% of the time, you can say, Jesus! And you're right. Taking a multiple choice. If you don't know, what do you hit? C, right? Is it still C if you don't know? Yeah, if you don't know the answer to it, which one do you do? No. No. No, If it's A, B, C, and D, and you need to come up with an answer, they're always, wasn't it always C, when in doubt? When in doubt, choose C. So here we are, here we are in this thing called life. God is calling us to be extraordinary, and we're settling for the ordinary because we allow fear to dictate our footsteps and the way that we live out our faith. You see, because if I look different and I act different than everybody else, then I will stand out and they will laugh at me. They will say, you're one of those Bible thumpers. And that's almost an insult, but what happens when we say, booyah, I'm glad you could notice. Right? Like, what happens if we actually change our response to the way that the world responds to us? And the way that we respond differently is by being the hands and feet and the love of God in the midst of a corrupt and tormented world. Amen? Does that make sense? That they should know we are Christians by our love, not by our ability to tell you that this is a sin and you're going to burn in hell. Jesus did not need to die on a cross so that we could tell people who are going to hell and who ain't. Because everybody, if you guys could raise your hands, just raise one hand. 
Everybody just raise one hand. You're not God, hands down. <laughs> right? Like, how beautiful that God gets to be God and we just get to be followers. We get to be the love and he is the judge. We can read it in the word and I can tell you clearly what's a sin and what's not. But if I choose, if I choose to tell you the sin instead of that I love you first, then who cares about this? This just lost everything, every piece of value that's in it. Yeah? And so the Holy Spirit set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Spirit set apart for me Robert and Ethan. Robert and Ethan to the office, please. Robert and Ethan to the office. God wants to speak to you now. <laughs> and so they stand up and they go to the office and God, God meets them and we're listening through the door. And he calls them to something amazing. So then they did this. This is the first missionary journey. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they, went, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Can you imagine following those red lines over there? So they started up there in Antioch, and if you look up at the top of the sea, you see Tarsus. That's where Paul's from. And at the day and age, they didn't have cars, right? It would have been nice if they had solar-powered Priuses or solar-powered something to zip around and get down to Antioch, but they didn't, and they would sail. They didn't have motors, so how did they sail? Hopefully the wind's blowing. Otherwise, it could be a long trip, I would gather, or somebody's rowing, right? Can you imagine rowing? So they did this. They, they took off, and they, they did this adventure where they're going out to the Jews who wanted to protect their Judaism, and now they're trying to bring something else into that world. Can you imagine the things that happened to them, the people that they would have seen, the stories? And do you think that everybody just welcomed in and said, hey, come on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your Jesus. Or do you think they fought a little bit? Do you think they're like, dude, you guys are nuts? Do you have to do that? to live a life of adventure and discovery. What would happen if that was actually a map of Portage or Partyville or Partyville and Portage down around just through Columbia County? Could we do that? Could anybody do that? Could you? You couldn't drive? Drive? Yeah. Oh yeah, I could drive. We're not asking you to ride a camel or nothing. <laughs> I'm even too old for that, Terry. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't doing it. So the deal kind of is, what are we considering to be adventure? What are we discovering in, in through this thing called life? What are we willing to, to like see as excitement? How do we put a buzz on this thing called Jesus Christ, thus Christianity? How do we put something in it that God is calling us to make disciples, and yet we sit on our hands and say, not me. Why? It's fear. Fear is a liar. Because if you don't have one of these, you can get one of these. What's the seventh and eighth word in that verse, verse four? 
Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? Pick them up at the Quickie Mart? They got them for sale at the Dollar General? All right. What'd you read that off of? No, just kidding. <laughs> Did that sound like a like she's reading a can of Lipton soup? <laughs> so, so the deal is we invite Jesus Christ into our hearts and when we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that guided these guys dwells in the hearts of everyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior. Everyone who believes receives the Holy Spirit. And so the same Holy Spirit that sent them is sending you. The same Holy Spirit that brought Wisdom and revelation to Paul is bringing wisdom and revelation to you and I if we'll actually open up our minds to hear something that's counter to everything we've been protecting for years. Right? Isn't that sad that we can live in fear and hatred and all these things and be tore up in our hearts and want something so desperately, something different, something more, but we block what God is trying to do because of where we've been and what we've come to know. Remember what I said? My mom said that it was better that I would have an abusive father than no father at all. That's just stupid. But my mom grew up a certain way, had a certain belief system, and nothing or no one was ever going to change that. Period. Her son is a pastor, and I can't even speak to her about it. My mom went to her grave Loving Jesus, but afraid to live. I remember when she was 40, she was talking about getting old. It's like, Ma, you're 40, you're not old. And then once she hit like 60, it was all just, well, I'm going to die soon. It's like, you haven't even lived yet. Did she know, like she knows God, she loves Jesus as her Savior, but did she allow Jesus to speak into her heart and to change the way that she lives her life, that she walks it out? Right, like we openly do things that are bad for our bodies when we know that it's bad for our bodies. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. I know what this story is about. I smoked for 24 years. I did drugs and alcohol for 28 years. I know what this is about. There was something that I preached before I knew Jesus Christ that wasn't Jesus Christ. It was hell and damnation. And it wasn't until God knocked me on my can that I was able to receive and understand the revelation. And then I had to commit to learning Right? So I had to receive Christ and then receive the wisdom through the scriptures so that I could take that revelation and move on. Yeah? Does that make sense? To move and to elevate where I'm at, to not allow fear. To not allow fear to tear me down, to stop me from doing it. I was 40 years old when God showed me an illustration that finally stopped me from thinking that I was stupid. And I carried with me for most of my life the fact that I was stupid. How do you do a master's degree and think you're stupid? How do you elevate from your current status 
when you think you're stupid, ugly, worthless, you don't matter. How do you do it? You never will. And so you are subjecting yourself to a lifetime of where you're at. Meanwhile, your heart is breaking so hard inside of you. I want more. And God, there must be more. And he's like, yes, there's so much more. And you stop listening right there. Because you're allowing the liar to tell you what and who you are. Because it's easier... It's easier to believe the lies and have the world continue to think you're an idiot or a fool or whatever they think of you than it is to change. And what happens if I stumble and fall? Right? Like in recovery, we talk about relapsing. Some people wear relapses like a badge of honor. Other people wear them as a badge of absolute fear and hatred towards themselves. What happens, if, what happens if we just understand that sometimes that's a part of life? But get yourself back up. Let God pick you back up. Let God dust you off and move you along that path. What happens when we do that? What happens when we believe and understand that we are not the sum of the mistakes that we've made in our life? Right? Like every one of us has made mistakes. Horrendous mistakes, some of us. And if you won't give yourself a break, how are you going to get to move on in this life? If you won't receive the fullness of what Jesus Christ has for you, how are you ever going to move up in this life? How are you ever going to go from ordinary to extraordinary? You see, you might not do it perfectly. You might not do it perfectly. It might not look the way that Pastor Fred thinks that it might look. But guess what? I don't know everything. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm a far cry from that. I don't think you could chuck a stone to it from, here, from where I stand. Acts 13, 6 through 12. I did it again. I forgot my Bible that actually has big letters. Try and read this thing. Last night I almost had to have my wife hold it so I could back up far enough to read. So if you're in your Bibles, Acts 13, 6 through 12. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with preconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to, sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the, the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You, son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord.
So the proconsul is the governor of the land at that time in this area. There's the magician who says something counter to what God is telling Paul and Barnabas. They're spreading the gospel. The enemy is spreading something else. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit actually has power, given you power and authority to do things that God is calling you to do? Right? So if we believe that, then we actually have to start walking that out. It's in the word of God. It's been spoken many, many, many years. Our faith has to do something more than sit on a shelf. Our faith has to drive us to live a life full of adventure, full of discovery, full of scary things. Paul and Barnabas, the book of Acts, this mass represents their first missional journey, so their first one. I'm not going to read Acts 15.36 because we're uh, running over on time. But I want to encourage you guys to take, take the scriptures that are in your Bible and read everything from the start all the way through to this. Just read it and tell me if you're living a life that would even represent that or resemble that. Parents who seem to be stuck at home with the kids, holy cow, do you guys have an incredible adventure. Like turn it into an adventure, not just making it through like, Man, I hope like heck I get through this thing because these kids, I'll whop, power elbow drop, my, hang them up by whatever I got to do, get them up in the ceiling away from me, whatever, because these kids are tripping, right? Like, I don't know how that kid ever came from me. Like, that ain't all, uh-uh. Right? <laughs> well, maybe if you got to hang them up for, no, I can't say that, can I? Um, but each and every one of us, like, we can make life an adventure. How do, how do we encourage our middle school kids and younger and even older to actually walk out the gospel of Jesus Christ, to meet and greet and walk with people who need to know the love? How do we encourage that? How do we encourage them to be the trendsetters instead of the followers? By example. By example, right? So we need to figure out how to love up on our kids. We need to figure out how to help our, our moms who are struggling just to make it because they got to work and they have the kids and they have all the, all the, all the, all the, right? Because we all need somebody to lean on. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at in life, whatever, whatever you're doing, make it an adventure. Actually try and see, spend some time in prayer and seek God's face about how do I make this an adventure? Robert, you got a heck of an adventure for you. If you take the gospel of Jesus Christ to jail with you, you serve him a little chili mac and a whole lot of Jesus. Right? You want some 2% milk with that? Here you go. Now let me tell you, Jesus loves you. Well, they tell me I can't say that. Well, I did. Do you have the audacity to say Jesus' name at work or at school? So let me pray, and uh, we'll sing our last tune. And the way the Bible uh, is written, the way uh, you have up there, makes it look like this huge, you have to travel these 
huge miles to get the word of God out. But I'll, I'll tell you from my two-five meeting, I was 19 years old, walking the streets of San Diego, and I ended up connecting with a group of people that were selling the Bible. They were selling Bible, family Bibles. Okay. And uh, I walked all up and down the coast to them guys. And my job was to stop the people on the street, convince them enough to come inside and listen to the, to the rest of it. Okay. So it don't have to be an adult. Like you just said, it can even be a middle schooler or, or younger. Mm -hmm. Yep, wherever we go, we should be proclaiming the gospel. Wherever we go. Sarah Kim. So, Father God, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your blessing. And, Father God, I just pray a special blessing and anointing over everyone here today. That, Father God, you would, you would anoint them with your oil. That they would be encouraged and empowered to spread the gospel. That they would be encouraged and empowered to live life like they've never lived it before. Give them supernatural strength, supernatural wisdom, supernatural revelation. That we would go from ordinary to extraordinary. That we would go from living in the natural to living in the supernatural. Father God, bless our homes. Bless our homes that they become breeding grounds for the gospel, for strength and courage, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.